You are listening to Inclusion Evolution, a bi-weekly podcast that brings you insightful and engaging conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession, the technology space, the world of sports, and our everyday. Here are your hosts, Lisa Mueller and Michael Kasdan. Welcome back to Inclusion Evolution. I'm Lisa Mueller. And I'm Mike Kasdan. Happy New Year, Mike. Here we are. We're at the start of a brand new year. It's 2023. Hard to believe. I know. We made it. Happy New Year. I don't really mean that we made it. 2022 is a pretty good year, but uh, excited to move onward and uh, always an exciting time, New Year's. Yeah, onward and upward. And um, it seemed like 2022 went really, really fast. I agree. But I guess I think the older I get, the faster they go. I think that's something that's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what I can do about that and slow things down. But uh, Oh my gosh, it seemed like it just went so fast. And, you know, we started this podcast near the end of last year in our second and final episode of 2022. We talked about um, attorney burnout. And now that we're at the start of a brand new year, I thought this might be a good time. We're all making our New Year's resolutions. We're, we're trying to stick with them that we might want to focus on some mental health resolutions. But before we, we talk about some mental health resolutions, I thought, Mike, maybe you could um, tell folks and remind folks about some of the mental health challenges that the legal profession faces. Yeah, this is a really important issue to me and uh, an issue that I've been really focused on. and the mental health situation with the profession isn't good. Um, and it hasn't been good for a long while. And it's not something that was new in COVID. Uh, and I think no matter how you look at it, whether it's statistics or you look at like what associates are saying, if you look on Instagram and see memes, um, you know, there's kind of a long standing kind of institutional cultural kind of problem. Um, and it's been interesting in 2022 that it seems like it's being talked about a lot or a lot more. Um, and, and I know that, you know, some people I think must be feeling, you know, why are we talking about this all the time? There's so much dialogue about mental health. Um, and to me, I think it's one of those situations where the pendulum has, is like starting to swing the other way. And, and, and maybe when that happens, it kind of over, <laughs> overcorrects to one side, but I think we're not talking about it enough. And so I'm excited to be able to lead off with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm starting to feel like that maybe some of the stigma that's been associated with mental health is maybe easing a little bit in the legal profession. I, it still has a long way to go. But yeah, I think you're right. We're starting to maybe overcompensate. But I think, you know, given what's been going on, you, we just can't talk about it enough. And, you know, why do you think it's important that we, we talk about mental health in the context of inclusion? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. When we first talked about this podcast, we talked about uh, it be talking about diversity and inclusion, but also having a really big tent approach and focusing on mental health issues and some issues that maybe traditionally we don't think about as diversity, equity and inclusion issues. Um, but I think, you know, when, when you look at the workplace and you look at mental health in the context of our workplace, the issues are really tightly related and intersect. Um, and I think, you know, issues relating to diversity uh, and, and inclusion, um, if if you look at the, the statistics, um, mental health issues impact underrepresented minorities, you know, even even more deeply than the rest of the profession. Um, so I'm glad that we can include it um, in, in this conversation. I think it belongs here. Um, what, what's your view on that? Oh, absolutely. I think um, we definitely need to, to talk about it more in the context of inclusion, because I think whether people want to accept the fact or not, you know, we all at one point or another 
um, suffer some mental health challenge. And so the more talking about it, the more we can make it inclusive and make it uh, weave it into the, the fabric of our everyday life and be, be more accepting about it, the better off we'll all be. And I think that's true of, you know, not only the legal profession, other professions, whether we're talking about athletes, whether we're talking about kids, you know, I think just overall in society, we've just had such a um, poor view of mental health and, and such a terrible stigma associated with it that it really re- lends itself to, to being an area that we need to be more inclusive about. Yeah. And for me, uh, you know, it's no great secret. Um, this is an issue that I talk about a lot. And, you know, 2022 was a big year for me because I started uh, lawyering while human, which is all about sort of authenticity and, but, but really focusing on mental health and wellness. And I've been doing a lot of speaking, uh, and writing and talking at law firms and talking with law students. Um, and I'm glad that that conversation is starting to happen and kind of moving from talking about the problem to trying to sort of talk about solutions to it. Um, but like you said, I think it, 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 like, like diversity and inclusion, I think it, it weaves um, into so many issues that are so important, uh, you know, in the workplace and in our life, you know, we look around outside of work and, you know, we have, all, you know, a suicide epidemic we, and you do see it across all these different fields. Um, so I think these are really big interconnected issues. I'm, I'm so glad we can talk about it a bit today. Yeah, absolutely. And just to remind folks, you know, there was a 2016 study that looked at nearly 13,000 practicing lawyers and the statistics were really pretty, pretty awful. You know, they found that between 21 to 36 percent of attorneys uh, qualified as problem drinkers, approximately 28 percent had some level of depressive symptoms and 18 percent experienced elevated anxiety. And then even worse, the study found evidence of suicide, work addiction, sleep deprivation, not surprisingly, job dissatisfaction, you know, work-life conflict um, with family and, and partners and spouses, uh, just a general of a high level of incivility and chronic loneliness. So I think, you know, it lends, uh, it lends itself well to what we're talking about today. And just the sense you get from that study is, you know, there isn't a whole lot of positive well-being when it comes to the legal profession. So I think maybe, Mike, this is a good time to remind people what well-being actually is. Yeah, and and I think I think it's interesting to lead off with that 2016 study um, because you know there's studies that are more recent, um, you know, post COVID, um, but you know I think that that sh- it's a very large study and it also shows that this isn't a new problem. No. On the other hand, you know, I have had a lot of conversations this this past year, and the dialogue is there, and there are lots of good people sort of focusing on this problem, and I think. Um, what's a couple interesting things about that conversation. First, you know, when we talk about well-being, I think a lot of people think, um, you know, depression, anxiety, sort of clinical stuff. And for me, I think one of the big eye-opening things that I realized this past year is that, you know, it's not just that. Of course, it's important. Uh, and a lot of people do struggle with those, you know, clinical, you know, diagnosed, uh, you know, mental health issues. But, you know, we're all navigating life and stress and, you know, it's a stressful job and it's hard to balance work and relationships. And, you know, I think we all are much more aware of that or have sort of a heightened awareness of that, you know, after going through kind of COVID and isolation and working from home and, uh, you know, less of a boundary between work and home. And so I think um, it's, it's kind of all of us, Um, you know, if you look at it as uh, everyone has someone that's dealing with a mental health kind of issue and everyone is dealing with it, you know, every day as we kind of ride the roller coaster of life, sometimes you have good days, 
sometimes you have bad days and it's important to be able to sort of navigate those, whether it's sort of, you know, a clinical thing or not. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other really important thing that, that I would learn this past year is if you look at the definition of well-being and wellness, and this is like, you know, the World Health Organization, like, you know, how it's defined, you know, well, wellness or well-being isn't just defined as, you know, the absence of mental, mental illness. Um, it's defined as a positive state of wellness, like thriving. So when you look at it from, from that perspective, I think it puts you more in touch with, well, what are, what are the things, what are the dimensions of thriving? What does that mean? Right. Um, and I think when you think about it, you know, holistically, you know, you're talking about looking at it as a continuous process, working across these multiple dimensions of wellness. Um, and, you know, the way we function in one dimension can, you know, affect us in other dimensions. So, for example, I know the National Task Force on Lawyer Wellbeing identified six dimensions um, that make up, you know, well-being. Um, and that's occupational, right? Like what's happening at your job, um, but also things like emotional, physical, intellectual, you know, spiritual and social. Um, and other folks I've seen put, you know, financial well-being, right? Obviously, like when you're struggling financially, that's a stress. If you feel like you're, you know, emotionally, if you're in a, you know, relationship that's difficult. So all of these things are sort of components of well-being and wellness. I think um, a lot of times we only focus on sort of what to take a narrow view of it. Um, but I agree that it's really good to take a broader view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And And those six dimensions are so important because I think if you get out of whack in one of them, um, it can it really mess up uh, the remaining dimensions. And so that's where I think, you know, being holistic and taking a holistic view of all those are, are really important because I know, um, you know, when I'm physically tired, you know, I'm grumpy and then I don't do well at work and I can't concentrate and I don't want to go out. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just kind of want to withdraw. So I think those are, are those six dimensions really encapsulate it really, really well in terms of wellness. Yeah. And I mean, also, I just think as I've gotten older, I'm more aware of that. And I, th I think about those things more intentionally. Um, I feel like, you know, when I just graduated law school and became a lawyer, you know, you're just trying to do well at work. And exactly. what is it going to take to do well in advance? And, you know, now I'm thinking like, you know, am I happy? Like, am I fulfilled? Why not? What can I do about it? Um, and I think that's just, you know, as you grow, I think being more aware of these dimensions, I think, helps keep them all top of mind, you know, as in your kind of every day. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So with that, let's talk about some things, some resolutions that attorneys and law students can make in this new year to help focus on um, their mental health. And, and I think the first one that comes to mind, um, and it may be pretty obvious, a lot of people, this is on their new year's resolution just to begin with, is just to be more physically active, right? You know, because studies have shown that there's a link between mental and physical health in terms of reducing anxiety and depression and provides ways of coping with stress. Um, I know for myself personally that um, if I don't work out, you know, every day, every other day, I find myself getting irritable, grumpy, and just basically difficult um, to work with. My husband will even ask uh, me um, because I'm a long distance cyclist. He's like, are you riding your bike today? Are you riding your bike today? Because he knows if he hasn't seen me ride in a couple of days, it's, it's not a good one. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and look, it's January is a really popular time for those gym memberships, right? It's like probably the the biggest exactly. New Year's resolution period. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting to me because you know, I I got into a, a period when I was working out regularly, but then when I got busy at work, you know, I, I do remember thinking, oh, like I don't have time to do that today. I have to, you know, 
you know, push through it. And in the end, it, it, it really, I, I did not work. I don't work as effectively. And so trying to really build that into my day and, you know, whether it's going to the gym or getting outside with the dog, exactly. um, I think it's, uh, you know, that that's been really, really important for me. I think it doesn't have to be the real intense exercise. You can go outside for a 15, 20, 30 minute walk. Like you said, walk the dog. I think this whole idea of green exercise where you're out in nature just can have some, you know, therapeutic effects and, and help uh, clear your head and, and kind of have some stress reducing properties to it. No, I love it. Um, so, yeah, so moving on from uh, from going to the gym, um, you know, the other the other resolution that I wanted to throw out there was learning how to meditate, um, which is an interesting one for me to put forward because I used to be very anti-meditation and very anti-mindfulness. I, I definitely, when I first started learning about mindfulness, um, I was my first question was like, how does that work when you're multitasking? Because I'm a multitasker. I like doing lots of things. I don't think that, that I really want to just do the one thing or focus on the one thing. Um, and, you know, I wasn't you know, and, and to me, meditation was kind of this foreign kind of like Eastern thing um, that I didn't really connect to. But I've really come full circle on that. Um, I think it's really powerful. I think I've also learned that meditation doesn't necessarily mean uh, it means different things to different people. You can you can just take the time and sort of focus or be in nature. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, kind of what we think of as as meditation. So um, to me, that that's another big eye opener from this past year that, you know, meditation and other mindfulness practices that maybe we'll talk about a little later um, have been super important to me and, and there's actually science behind it um, but I think there's a there's a pretty pretty big um, at least for some people um, sort of block uh, or you know it just feels so foreign but for me I've really come full circle yeah that's one that I've put on my list for for this year is is meditation just because um, I've tried to do it in the past and I I have not been successful. So that's one that I'm going to work on. And and what I've done actually is um, I looked and investigated a couple of different apps on that. And so there's things like Headspace, which is the one I'm going to give a, a try out here in the new year. But there's also Calm, which is very popular, Happify, um, 10% happier. So, you know, if people are looking you know, uh, to, to try some meditation, there are tools like that out there. But there's a variety of different ways you can meditate. It doesn't have to be an app. There's... You know, I think uh, a lot of different approaches you can take to it. Yeah, there's lots of good um, guided meditations, you know, on YouTube and, and other places that are free. And I think, you know, once you sort of find one or a couple that you like, you can kind of put them into into rotation. But I also just I mean, I think non meditation based mindfulness stuff is also really important. One of the best little short videos I saw this year, it's by it's actually by a Buddhist monk, um, but it's called training your monkey mind. Um, and he talks about how he meditates and, you know, he's dressed like a monk, but he says, you know, you can do it like in line at the grocery store. Like it's all about kind of your state of mind and being very focused on the present. Um, and I, I think, you know, being in the present moment. And I think that really helps um, focus. And it also helps with things like worrying about the future and worrying about the past. Like, um, and so to me, it really lines up with kind of, kind of the mental health issues of depression or anxiety. Um, if you can just really stay sort of, sort of focused on the moment and the kind of what you can control. And, and so I think it's a really cool practice because I think the way that we frame things is really powerful. I think a lot of people, um, maybe, you know, kind of poo poo it, but, 
um, the brain's super powerful. And if you think about times where you're in kind of a bad state and, and the way it, it, a lot of times it's the way you're kind of framing things, you might be awfulizing something or it being intimidated to something that shouldn't be so intimidating. And so learning, I think to me, like mindfulness is not so much only meditation. I think meditation is a good practice for it, but it's really about learning how to like reframe the way you think. And it's, it, to me, it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ties well into uh, the next resolution, which is um, eliminating what causes you stress. And I think that's something, you know, easier said than done when it comes Definitely. not only to practicing <laughs> lawyers, but to law students. Um, and that's where I think, you know, focusing on meditation can help because you may not be able to completely eliminate um, what's causing you stress. I think, you know, sometimes you can reduce the things that are causing you distress. You may not be able to completely, like I said, eliminate them. But um, I think that's where medica- meditation can be be really helpful. Yeah, and I think you know with stress, like that's we all navigate stress. Um, you know, we talked about a little this a little bit on on the last episode about burnout. But you know, learning how to manage it, like that's another thing. Like we talked about fitness and exercise. So just having a time where you're saying, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to focus on this other thing. Takes your mind off of it. And I also think, like we were talking, I was talking about reframing a little bit. Um, you know, understanding what you can and can't control and being okay with it, um, I think is also a big part of, of, of navigating stress. I think as is communication, you know, learning how to sort of communicate it out instead of holding it in. Um, so I think there are lots of different sort of components to, to navigating stress. You know, it's not always, you can't always just eliminate the stressor. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of times you can, you can like mitigate it by sort of the way you approach it. Yeah. And I think a good example of that is, is working parents. I mean, I think, you know, there are definitely stressors there that are just never going to go away and you're trying to be a practicing attorney and, and you have children and there's obviously stresses there that are just not going to go away. But, you know, like you said, communication and uh, meditation and exercise, making sure you do some self-care for yourself, it's not going to get rid of the stress and, and eliminate it in its entirety, but it will help reduce it. For sure. For sure. And I mean, I think that also dovetails with another resolution uh, that I'm I'm going to really take for myself. And that's you know, not being afraid to ask for help if you need it. You know, we talked about sort of the statistics in the legal field. And a lot of people look at that issue and say, oh, well, there's certain kind of components of like the lawyer personality type that really contribute to that. And one of them is kind of like perfectionism and always having, always, always, you know, right? Like saying like, you know, I got to know the answer to this. And for me, I know that in times in the past when I've struggled, um, it's when I've sort of held things in and sort of spun my wheels and tried to think my way out of things that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, you're not able to always do that. Um, and I think, you know, now, um, with, you know, looking at it in, in hindsight, as someone working with someone who might be struggling, I'd rather they, they talk about it, right? Like we're, we're working together rather than someone like not knowing exactly what the answer is or not liking the answer um, and, and holding it in. Um, it's always so much better to get it out there and then deal with it. And so that's a, that's a big kind of growth area for me that I'm going to keep focusing on. Yeah, absolutely. This is one that it seems so simple, but it's often very, very difficult for people. And many of us find it really difficult to ask for help, especially when it comes to mental health issues. So, you know, I, would just encourage people to reach out. And if you don't have a support network that, you know, somebody you feel comfortable talking to seek out the help of a therapist or a coach or a mentor. And then 
there are lawyer assistance programs available in every state, and they're there to help. Um, and all that's anonymous. And and I know, Mike, you you know a lot about those pro those programs. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of my big, my big focuses with lawyering uh, while human is you know, the workplace issue uh, of, you know, overcoming the stigma of talking about it and making sure that you create a workplace environment where people know they can talk about it, because that's really better for everyone. Um, so, so it is important to find, you know, someone that you can trust at work and someone to process things with, you know, in terms of therapy. But yeah, there are also some really great groups. Um, you know, in, I'm on the New York City Bar Lawyers Assistance Program Committee. Um, and, you know, it's all anonymous. We provide resources, we provide help. Um, um, the other really great resource that I learned about this past year um, is called the Lawyers Depression a Group, um, and that's a uh, you know it's like a group therapy. Uh, it's it's also you know they meet a number of times a month on Zoom, um, and it's 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 really I really like to attend that even uh, in, in the during the many many times when I'm feeling just fine um, because it's just a great group. People kind of relate to each other because even though we do different types of law, you know, we're all kind of in, in the same boat and can really relate when we're up or we're down. Um, and I think just be just having that outlet, I think, is really is really great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you can find all those lawyer assistance programs on your local state bar sites. Um, so I'd encourage people if, if they're interested in learning more about those, um, you can find those resources there. I think another uh potential resolution for the year that people should consider and, and people might laugh at this one a little bit is taking a social media vacation or break you know um we've all gotten addicted to our cell phones and while social media can be a positive tool for connecting with others it can also be detrimental to our mental health it can trigger anxiety depression and and other things so i think if you can set some limits on your use of social media, looking at your phone. I know one of the things I try and do when I'm with the family, you know, if we're going out on a weekend, um, I will try and leave my phone at home. I'll try and turn it off for extended periods of time. So I'm not constantly looking at it. You know, I, I think things like that can be, you know, a positive experience, uh, you know, in short little intervals. Yeah, this is another one that uh, is definitely on my list in terms of resolutions, um, because I'm absolutely a work in progress here. Um, I, you know, I also think this past year, there's so many different ways for people to communicate to us. Um, and I remember back in the days of BlackBerry, um, when I had a BlackBerry, you know, and, and, and the little light would go off when I got an email. Um, I was so like Pavlovian in terms of needing to respond to that. Um, such an addict that, um, I had to like turn the light off. Um, and it used to be that I could just like move my email <laughs> notifications to a different screen on my phone or turn that light off. But now, you know, you have people texting you and you have people messaging you on WhatsApp and you have people messaging you on Twitter. And there's just so many things. I think you could spend all day just bouncing around between notifications. Um, and I found, you know, in my relationships, I really do want to be present, but it's really it's hard for me. So, so I think using things like, um, like, you know, we talked about this social media detox, like my daughter challenged yep. me to that once <laughs> she didn't think I could do it, but I did do it. Um, but, uh, but it's funny, she's better at it than I am. You know, I joined Instagram basically to watch my kids and make sure that they weren't getting into trouble. And now, you know, my, my daughter is a freshman in college. She took Instagram off her phone. Uh, and now I'm on Instagram all the time. So, um, you know, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I will tell people, um, two summers ago, I, I did a long distance bike ride. We started in Portland, Oregon and, and rode 12 days to Bozeman, Montana. And there were three days going through Idaho over the mountains into Montana where 
we didn't have cell phone coverage. And I was really panicked about it because how are people going to get a hold of me, you know? And they were one, three of the best days I've had in a long time. And you know what? When I finally got a signal, everything was fine. And so, you know, life went on, everything was fine. So I think sometimes we're afraid to disconnect, but I I can tell you that you can, you know, if you start off in small little doses, you, you definitely can get there. Yeah, that's a that's a great story because right, it, it is all still there when you come back, right? Yep. You know that the term um, that's that's been popularized, like, like you know the FOMO, like the fear of missing out. Like exactly. you just you, you're so used to getting those little notifications that uh, when you don't for a while, it feels unsettling. But uh, and I think with phones, like there's always an excuse, right? It's always like, oh, I have to be, I have to have it in case a work thing comes up, or or it's also my camera and I want to take pictures. And um, but I think I think it's a great point that you know getting away from it and re- being like really present um is, is really great um for for mental health and for just for for life so that that's that's on my list i'll let you i'll let you know next year how i do um, we're going to check in with you later the year mike and see how you're doing <laughs> so i think another good one is uh another good resolution is to mind your relationships you know there was this uh noted ted speaker esther pearl who is also a psychotherapist as well as an author who said that the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. And that's so true. And I think as attorneys, we're notorious for sacrificing or pushing to the edge our most important relationships. So, you know, we give our clients, and I know I'm very guilty of this, our time and we give our time to our firm and our practice gets the best of us, but our spouses, our partners, our families kind of get the short end of the stick. They get the scraps. So I think another really good resolution is to be more intentional um, about the time you spend with your family, your partners, um, whether it's date nights or, you know, family activities on weekends. And I think it's just not attending these activities, but coming energized and being engaging and giving your family and your partner your full attention. Yeah. And it, it kind of comes back to some of these same themes of like mindfulness, like being present uh, when you're there and also boundaries, like another, another issue that another one that should probably be a resolution on my list, right. To get better at boundaries. Yes. Um, but I think there's, you know, we have this kind of institutional thing. We're kind of trained that we have to always be on and that you have to always, you know, put, put family second. And, and I, I've learned that, you know, I'm a partner now, like, you know, if you, you know, Sometimes there are deadlines and there are management challenges, um, but I don't think that it's a sustainable long-term thing to continually sacrifice your family. I think, you know, you can be a great lawyer and do great client work and also, you know, have a good life. And it comes back to kind of thriving. We we talked about earlier um, and like happiness and that you know, feeds back into, you know, how good you are at your job and, and relationships. I love that quote by Esther Perel. Like that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned happiness. And I think that's another resolution people can make is to to be more happy and, and create something called a, a happiness plan. Um, you know, we're all super busy and, you know, science shows that, you know, happiness just doesn't happen. It's something you have to make an effort to do and to be, it's a, a, a positive kind of emotional style. And and people who tend to be positive and have positive emotions, it's been shown they're more resilient, they're healthier and they're happier. And I think sometimes we tend to take our happiness for granted and we really need to make it a priority. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Like you wouldn't think that you would have to do that. Yeah, I know. And it's funny, like, you know, to put it on as a resolution, like just like be happier. I think a lot of people are like, well, <laughs> you know, if I could be happier, I would. But you're right. I mean, like, like actually 
putting in a practice where you kind of create a plan, not when you're down, you know, in the middle and have 15,000 things coming at you, but, but, but understanding kind of like these three things are really important to me. It's important to me to like, you know, spend time with my kids and to, you know, I love traveling. Right. And I sort of putting those and actually creating kind of an intentional plan, I think is a really great thing. And I think it can kind of help you with, with prioritization uh, of what's important. The resolution can't just be, be happy. (laughs) No, I think you have to, you have to choose and set up for yourself activities that make you happy. So maybe it's things like, you know, you want to learn how to paint. You want to learn how to draw. You want to learn how to ice skate. Um, maybe what brings you happiness is volunteering. You know, maybe you, uh, you know, volunteer with your favorite organization. I think um, things like that will will give you happiness and make you happy. Yeah, no, I love it. And and I also, you know, there, there are practices. Like I know my friend, um, I have a friend, uh, her name is Molly, and she's, been trained as a happiness for no reason practitioner. So she actually does coaching around like happiness. I love it. Um, like she did a half hour with me just so I could see what it was all about. Um, and, and some like just great like tips and practices that are focused in that area, um, sort of mind body stuff. Um, and I love that. And so I think, I think there are lots of different things to do. Like, you know, certainly, um, you know, making time for those activities that you know, you know, create happiness and building them in um, and not sacrificing that. Um, but also, I think it's kind of fun to explore kind of techniques like that. Um, you know, I had a session with her. It was really cool. What kind of things did she have you do during your session? Um, so some of them were like mind body things, like to re- to re- recognize how I was feeling, like when my body was all scrunched up, um, which is negative. Like it's hard to be happy when you're like that. And it's much hap- it's much easier and it's hard to be sad when your body is actually open and also just like little practices like trying to say like spending a day and, and having the last thing that you'd say to anyone you interact with from like you know colleagues at work to your family to like the barista at starbucks and just saying i appreciate you um and seeing what that does and how that makes you feel and what it, and you know goes back to that esther perel quote about relationships but like do that for a day and i'm telling you like it actually changes your state of mind in a really positive way so it was stuff like that yeah i think another one that is very helpful and that i find with people um is please and thank you if your polite politeness can bring a lot of happiness and you thank people and, and it goes along to your last point about appreciating people because i think when you're you're polite and you're respectful to people nine times out of ten not always you're going to get that right back at you and i think that also helps uh to contribute to happiness as well yeah, I think it all sort of emphasizes our humanity. Um, and as humans, like, you know, we sometimes lose sight of that. And that's That's been an amazing kind of recognition. Um, you know, I, I have this project called Lawyering While Human. And so many of these things seem like they should just be like, well, of course, second nature. Like, you know, humans should be kind and humans should strive for happiness. But, um, you know, life is complicated and, and you have to really be thoughtful about it. And, you know, so another resolution um, that I know we discussed was like being kind to yourself, giving yourself a break. I think we're we are very, very judgmental. So hard on ourselves. Definitely. We, we're very judgmental as to other people. And we're like hardest, like you said, on ourselves. If we make mistakes or miss goals, like, you know, just treating yourself well and like giving yourself a break. Um, I know it's really, it's, it's harder said than done, but like for me, uh, in the past, like I've actually been in group therapy. I tried that once. Um, and to me, it was like magical because you hear other people 
um, and you want to be kind to them, like other people going through something or make a mistake, and you're like, it's okay, like this happened to me once, and it's fine, and you'll get there. But then for yourself, you're a much harsher critic. So I think kind of the magic of it is, you know, realizing that you can apply that same kindness to yourself. Um, and it doesn't come first nature uh, or second. It just, it takes some thinking and doing. Yeah. And sometimes you really need to hear from somebody else because I, I mentioned before how I, I do this cycling and I actually have a cycling coach and every week he gives me these workouts. And about two weeks ago, I was really upset because he gives me certain numbers to hit and um, I was having a week where I was struggling, not hitting any, any of the numbers. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm terrible. I just, and he's like, give yourself a break. We all have off weeks. We all just have days where for, you know, no good reason things happen. And, you know, I think, you know, it really resonated with me because I was like, I had to take a step back and realize, you know, he was right. And that's just the way sometimes it goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad that I have some uh, some resolutions on the list other than go to the gym, although going <laughs> to the gym is one of the first ones. Exactly. But uh, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode. It's been great talking to you. And Lisa and I will catch you next time on the Inclusion Evolution. Thank you for listening to Inclusion Evolution. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the hosts and not of their respective law firms. Share your thoughts with us by emailing us at llmuller at casimerjones.com or mkasden at wigan.com. 